Life Audio. Hey there, lovebirds. Are you ready to take your relationship to the next level? Real Relationship Talk is all about uncomplicating your relationships and creating deeper connections. Many of you have already taken my free quiz to test your relationship connection and are receiving my free tips on how to reconnect with the one you love. If you haven't yet taken the quiz, be sure to check it out today at danashay.com forward slash partner quiz. That's danashay.com forward slash partner quiz. Your next level of connection is just a quiz away. So don't go it alone. Tell your friends, tell your family members, find some other couples who are also willing to have a sex-free relationship. And that's kind of the new terminology that I'm using. I don't like to say celibacy because that sounds like a disease. Somebody got the celibacy. Yep, they got that celibacy over there. I don't like it. So I'm not going to say celibacy. I'm not going to say the purity lifestyle because you are not pure just because you're not having sex and you're not impure because you are. That's a whole nother soapbox that I won't get on. I like the term sex-free lifestyle. And I love the word free because you're free to do so many other things. You're choosing this. This is not something that is being forced upon you. So find some other couples that are also willing to commit to a sex-free lifestyle until marriage. Please have sex when you get married. Please have lots of it, okay? But find some couples who are willing to, to do this together. Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Real Relationship Talk. I'm your host, Dana Shea, and I am so happy that you are here joining us today on this real raw very relevant podcast episode today. So if you guys have been listening for a while, you know that I explained to you several weeks ago that with the podcast, I really want to talk about relevant topics that are not just relevant to marriages, which is where I have been focused for the last several years, largely. I mean, I definitely did some episodes that kind of more um, focused on single issues or that were just more comprehensive, but I really want to focus in on relationships as a whole. And so this particular conversation that we are having is really a part two of last week's episode. So if you listened last week, hopefully you did, you know that we talked about seven reasons why you should nick sex before marriage. Okay. So last week I gave you the why, and today I'm going to give you the how. So I want to set this episode up and tell you all that I don't just like lay awake at night thinking of what is the most uncomfortable conversations I can have on the podcast this week. Uh, I really do. First of all, I pray over every single episode, but then I listen to you all. I listen to what you need. I read your emails. I listen to you as you're telling me these are the things that we want to talk about. I read your DMs. And this particular conversation was really inspired by a friend of mine who sent me a DM and let me in a little bit on his life. He and his fiance are wanting to not have sex anymore. They started off with good intentions, as most of us do, right? And they began to just get really close and they began to fall. And they did fall. And they have fallen many times. And they are both believers. They are both Christians. This is very important to them. But both of them are really struggling with how to stop having sex. So he asked if I would help them, if I would help keep them accountable, if I would give them some advice. And of course, I am glad to do so. So 
a lot of what I'm going to be sharing with you all today on the podcast are some of the things that I shared with him, but also I'm going to be expounding on it because one of the things that he said in his DM to me, he said, you know, we want to know how to stop having sex other than just saying, pray about it and have boundaries. And I was like, listen, I get it. I am not one for the cliche Christianese, okay? I am not one for just giving you the same old advice that you're going to hear on some other talk show or, you know, podcast. I really want to give you real practical, not to say that those folks aren't real and practical, but sometimes we can just, we can get in a rut, if I'm honest, as Christians. We can just repeat the same old stuff that we've been saying for years And sometimes we need a fresh perspective. Sometimes we really need to just take a pause and say, okay, let's get real practical though. Like how do we stop doing some of these things? So that is the spirit in which this episode is birthed out of. And I know that you guys are going to enjoy it. I was actually writing down some things because I didn't want to just ramble on this podcast. I never really ramble. But I really wanted it to be very focused and very sincere. And I want this to be an episode that you bookmark, that you come back to, that you share, that other people are going to find lots of value from. So, all right, friends, I have said enough. I have set this up. We're going to jump in, okay? And again, if you are a parent, maybe you're listening to this with your teenagers or young, your young adults, this is going to really spark, I believe, some really important conversations with you and your kids. So, All are welcome to this conversation. All are welcome, okay? All right, so let's go ahead and jump right in. And and I titled the episode, So You Want to Stop Having Sex Before Marriage If the Train Has Already Left the Station. Some of you all, the train has left the station, okay? You are well into a sexual relationship, and maybe you have been involved in many sexual relationships and you really truly do want to stop. Now, this episode is not for someone who does not want to stop having sex outside of marriage or for that person who's just like, well, let me see what she has to say so I can you know, go in there and, and kind of shred her arguments. No, that's not what we're gonna do here today, okay? If you are genuinely a person that has been in a relationship and maybe you got out of that relationship because you couldn't stop having sex or you're in a relationship right now and you really do want to make a change, you are the people that I'm speaking to, all right? Everybody else, you can listen from the sidelines, but I'm not going to argue on this episode about why people shouldn't have sex before marriage. Go back to episode 171 and listen to the seven reasons that I already gave, okay? So number one. We're talking about the how today, okay? How do I stop having sex if the train has left the station? The first thing I want to tell you, friends, is that you have to let go of the shame. Yes, you have to let go of shame. Shame is never, and hear me when I say never, never productive in our lives. Never. You all have heard me talk before about the difference between guilt and shame. If you are feeling guilty about having sex outside of marriage, that's a good thing. That means that there's something in your conscious. There is, if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit telling you, this is not good for you. This is not God's best for you. You are living below your highest potential. So guilt is good. Guilt actually leads us to repentance. That's the whole point of guilt. So if you're not intending on repenting, then guilt is really doing you no good. But guilt is actually there to help us to realize that what we're doing is not good. Once you repent, guilt has served its purpose. You no longer need it. 
So if you're still feeling shame, this is a problem. Shame is always a problem because it's counterproductive. Sometimes we feel like we need to keep shame around like an old comfortable blanket because it'll help us to stay in line. But the truth of the matter is, is that when we actually walk in shame, it is counterproductive. It actually makes us do the very thing that we don't want to do. So if you are feeling shame, you're feeling like I'm worthless, I'm never going to be able to overcome this, I'm such a terrible Christian, I'm such a terrible person, I'm dirty, I'm perverted, I'm weird, whatever the thoughts are that you might be thinking, those are shameful thoughts and I need you to let those go. Now I'm going to tell you something that you are in good company because many of us feel shameful when we do something that we're not supposed to do. So it's not unordinary. It's very ordinary, actually, to feel that way, but we've got to be wise enough to say, okay, I'm going to let that go. It's just like someone who's losing weight or trying to lose weight, right? Or trying to make any good life change. If you always think, you know what? I'm never going to get this right. Oh, I keep falling off the wagon. Oh my gosh, I'm so stupid. I keep making mistakes. Well, how, how far along do you think you're going to go? You're not. You're going to end up believing what you're thinking and becoming what you believe. Because isn't that true of all of life? You become what you believe. So if you're telling yourself that you're defective, if you're telling yourself that you're a horrible sinner, that's what you're going to become. So I want to read to you something because people for thousands and thousands of years have felt how you feel. And I want to read you this and see if it resonates. I don't really understand myself. For what I want to do is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law of God is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing it. It is sin living in me that's doing it. I have discovered this principle in life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all of my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. The answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. You guys, that was the great Apostle Paul writing in Romans chapter 7. I read, I read you Romans seven fifteen through uh, chapter 8, verse 2. So that was a big chunk of scripture. But I wanted to read it to you all because, and first of all, that was out of the New Living Translation, which I love. It reads like we talk, right? And I wanted to read that to you all because for thousands of years, people have had this struggle between good and wrong, 
between evil and good, right? You guys remember if you're like, you know, uh, I would say 35 or older, the sitcoms that we used to watch on TV where they would have like the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other shoulder. And the person is like deciding which one to listen to. This is what Paul is talking about here. This is the, the apostle Paul, like the one who basically wrote half of the New Testament, more than half the New Testament. He's saying here in present tense, he's not saying, oh, 30 years ago, I used to have this problem. No, he's saying like today I'm struggling with wanting to do what's right, but not feeling like I can with these two desires that are at war within me. And I don't know what to do about it. I'm such a miserable person because I can't get this together. Y'all, that is so relatable. That is so life-giving. That should give all of us hope to know that when we're struggling with choices, we are not defective. So friend, stop living in shame. I love the scripture that says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It doesn't say that there is no conviction. Let's get that straight, okay? Conviction is good. You want to feel convicted when you do something wrong. If you don't, that is a problem. There is no condemnation. God is not condemning you, and so you need to not condemn yourself either. Okay, that was a long time to talk about point number one. But I really think that if we don't get this first, that we've got to let go of the shame, then all of the other stuff that I'm going to tell you is not going to stick. Okay. So point number one, let go of the shame. All right. Number two, stop focusing on sex. Stop focusing on it. Focus on something greater. You see, the thing that we focus on is the thing that we will magnify. It gets bigger the more we focus on it. And the thing that we magnify is the thing that we become more devoted to. In business, we talk about your why. You have to know your why. Why are you doing what you're doing? Simon Sinek, right? He's been very uh, well quoted. Lots and lots of people have quoted Simon Sinek talking about your why. And it's important because whatever we're doing in life, we have to have a greater why, a purpose, a reason for it, or we won't do it. Because motivation only lasts but for so long. How many of us have ever started something and quit a week later? All of us, right? And the reason is because our why wasn't strong enough. So I'm going to tell you today that you have to have a greater why. You have to have a greater reason, a greater purpose to not having sex before marriage. But you've got to stop focusing on the sex itself. That's like going into um, a, a bakery and being like, don't eat the brownies, don't eat the brownies. Oh my gosh, don't eat the brownies, don't eat the brownies. The more that you say, don't eat the brownies, you know what your brain is hearing? Eat the brownies, eat the brownies, eat the brownies. You want the brownies? The brownies look good. The brownies smell good. Ooh, look at the brownies. Eat the brownies. So you have to stop focusing on that and stop telling yourself over and over and over and over and over again, I can't have sex, don't have sex, sex is bad, sex is a sin, can't have sex, don't have sex. Don't do that. Stop focusing on the sex part and focus on a greater purpose, a greater mission, a greater why. Maybe your why is that you want to develop real intimacy in your relationship. You're tired of fake intimacy. You know that sex is not intimacy. People confuse them all the time, but they're not the same. And you actually want to develop real intimacy. 
Maybe your why is that you want to have peace in your heart. You're tired of, like Paul just described in Romans, this miserable life, this this back and forth, being tossed to and fro, listening to the angel one day and the devil the next day. You're tired of living that life and you just want to have peace in your heart. Maybe that's your why. Maybe your why is that you want to actually honor your body or you want to honor your partner's body or you want to honor your parents or you want to honor God. You want to honor yourself, whatever it is. Maybe that's your why. Maybe your why is that you just want to challenge. You're like, you know what? I've been doing this whole sleeping with folks my whole life. And now I want to do something different. I want to see if I can be somebody different. I'm going to challenge myself. Maybe that's your why. Whatever your why is, you have got to get that thing in your mind and start to magnify that thing. Start to focus on that thing. Because remember, what you focus on, you magnify, and what you magnify, you become devoted to. So if you, this is why athletes have goals all in their locker rooms and their bedrooms all over their homes. If you all were to see my studio right now, I've got posters and pictures and note cards and stickies and all the things that underscore my why, who I am becoming what I want to be, not what I'm not, not the things that I'm struggling with. You don't see any of that stuff in here. You're going to see the things that I am becoming. And that, my friends, is what you need to do in order to get over the whole obsession with having sex outside of marriage. Okay, this is a great place for us to pause. I have so much more that I want to share with you today. I hope that you guys are locked in. I hope that you're maybe even taking notes. This is like life-changing. I'm telling you, if you guys can really get what I am telling you today, it's going to transform your relationship. So don't go anywhere. We have to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. And if you have not already subscribed to the podcast, this will be a great time to do it during the commercial break. Just go ahead and hit that follow button or that subscribe button. We'll be right back. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Okay, my friends, we are back. Okay, we have talked about your um, the, the reason that we're doing this in the first place, right? We're getting rid of shame. We're talking about getting a bigger why. Stop focusing on the sex part and focusing on a greater mission or a greater purpose. Okay, number three, know your triggers. Know your triggers. Triggers is a big word, right? It's a buzzword right now in our culture. Everybody's talking about triggers. And it's so important because we are all triggered by something. If you don't know what triggers you to want to have sex, you're going to lose. You have to be able to know your triggers. You have to be able to know, okay, do I want to have sex when I'm bored, when I'm lonely, 
when something great happens in my life and I just want to celebrate with somebody and I just want to like go out there and have sex. When I'm sad, when I've had a really bad day, when I'm exhausted, when I'm stressed, what are your triggers? And it's different for everybody. Now, some of y'all might be listening to me thinking, Dana, I'm triggered 24-7. I want to have sex all of the time. Okay, listen, again, you are a normal, healthy, sexual person. The desire to have sex is not wrong, friends. Can I say that again? The desire to have sex is not wrong. No more than it is wrong for me to desire a plate of brownies with nuts in the middle and raspberry drizzle on top, bless the Lord. Oh my gosh. All right, bring it back, Dana. Gosh, hate the low-carb lifestyle. All right, but having sexual desires is not a sin. It's not wrong. It doesn't make you weird. So it's not about the desire. But you have to know the triggers. What is it that makes you want to do that? And for many of you, if you're in a relationship, just being in the relationship itself can be a trigger. Because guess what? Physical intimacy, though it is not the primary form of intimacy, it is a very powerful form of intimacy. So if you're in a relationship, you're going to want to naturally have sex with that person. Newsflash, I know, right? Like people have told you for years that there's something wrong with you because you desire that. There's nothing wrong with you. That's actually a healthy thing. But what you've got to understand is that there are times in your life where you're triggered. There are times in your life that you might want to have sex more than other times. And so just know that. That's it. Just know it. Just put it in the back of your head. Know that it's there. Know that, okay, this is, this is when I feel most sexual. This is when I want to go and make something happen. Just know that about yourself. Just know your triggers. All right? Number four. Use common sense, okay? Y'all, common sense ain't so common though, is it? Use common sense. I talk to so many couples, especially my couples in premarital coaching, and some of them are just like, listen, we're having sex and this is just what it's going to be. And I'm like, okay, listen, it's not my job to change you, okay? But there are many couples who don't want to, and then they tell me something and I just look at them. Just like this, if you're watching this on YouTube, I just look at them. Mm -hmm. Like straight face. Like really? Common sense, my friends. What do I mean by that? Okay. You've got to know yourself. This kind of goes in alignment with knowing your triggers, but you have to use common sense. If you do not want to have sex outside of marriage, you can't be sleeping over at each other's homes. Well, we're just going to, we're going to lay in the bed, but we're not going to touch. We're not going to spoon. He's going to stay on his side and I'm going to stay on my side. Uh uh-uh. uh, listen, do not. Okay, that is you are setting yourself up for failure if you do that. So, no sleepovers. Okay, but other things using common sense might look like no excessive physical touching. Well, we're just going to give each other massages with just our underwear on. Hello, come on, folks. Like common sense, we can't do that. No physical excessive. I'm not saying that you can never touch, you can't kiss. Of course, do all that if you want to, okay? But you've got to be aware of when you start feeling hot and tingly, okay? No excessive physical touching. And again, it's not my job to tell you where you can touch and how that's not, I'm not in, I'm not doing all that. I'm telling you, you are a capable adult of understanding what your triggers are and knowing this is probably not wise. 
there's another scripture that says everything is beneficial, but not everything, I'm sorry, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. That means that there's a lot of things, there's a lot of freedoms that you can have. It's permissible, but it's not always beneficial. So you have to ask yourself, is this smart? Is this a smart thing to do? Should we be sleeping over at each other's houses? Another common sense thing might be, don't prepare your body for the date. What do I mean by that? I'm going to go get a bikini wax. Why? Who's going to be looking at your bikini? You know what I mean? Like, why? Why prepare your body if you're not intending on doing anything? I'm going to shave and I'm going to get all dolled up. I'm going to wear my, I'm going to go buy some pretty new underwear. Why? Who's going to see your underwear? Like things like that, you guys, like we have to use common sense. If you're not preparing or if you're not planning for anything to happen, then you don't need to prepare for anything to happen. Okay. So just use common sense. Just use common sense. All right. Number five, play offense. Play offense. All of my kids are in sports. We're a huge sports family. So many of the analogies that I do in coaching are about sports because sports are so great at teaching life lessons. And I don't know who originally coined it. I think someone said actually it was George Washington, like President George Washington, who originally coined the phrase that the best defense is a good offense. And he wasn't even talking about sports, he was talking about war. But who, regardless of who coined it, the best defense is a good offense. So I need you guys to play offense, okay? You need to develop an offensive strategy. What is your plan? Because if you're just going into your relationship and thinking, okay, we're not going to have sex, we'll see how long that lasts. There's got to be a strategy. There's got to be a plan. You've got to get out of passivity. Proactivity is better than passivity 100% of the time. You have to be proactive. You can't just be reactive. That's defense, right? Like someone's coming at me, attack, attack, attack. I got to defend myself. No, no, no. Like be offensive. Be proactive. Come up with a plan. Okay, this is what our plan is going to look like. These are some things that we're going to do. Now, my friends who asked about um, me helping them to not have sex before marriage, you guys remember in the early part of the show, I, I introduced all that. One of the things that he said was, and give us some ways that are not about prayer and boundaries. And I was like, okay. So I'm going to give you all of these ways that don't have anything to do with boundaries. But real talk, you guys, boundaries are going to have to come into play in this one and the offensive strategy. But I'm going to help you to reframe boundaries because a lot of times we look at boundaries as something that we cannot do. They're always looked at as like a negative thing. You can't. No. Right? I don't want you to look at boundaries like that anymore. I want you to look at boundaries as what you get to do, what you can do. So for example, instead of saying we can't ever go out alone, what you can say is we're going we're gonna to date in groups. We're going to group date. <gasps> group date? Dana, oh my gosh, are you from the 1600s? No, but I'm going to tell you something that if you want to stop having sex outside of marriage, you're probably not going to do it with three other couples around you. Probably. Some of y'all are into some kinky stuff, so you might, but for the most, most of you guys aren't. Okay. So we get to date in groups. Something else that you might say, again, in your offensive strategy is, we are going to enjoy outdoor spaces instead of indoor places, especially private indoor places that no one else is around but us, right? I'm not telling you you can't go to like the movies, but 
we are we're gonna enjoy, especially if you live in an area and you have nice weather for the better part of the year. We're gonna be more proactive and finding some really cool outdoor spaces to hang out in. Again, not secluded outdoors. Okay, remember common sense. Don't let it leave you. Bring it with you everywhere you go. So that's another reframing of a boundary, right? You could say something like, we're going to find fun things to do that don't involve drinking. There's a good one. So you're not saying, we can't ever have any fun when we go out. We can't ever drink. No, we're just going to learn how to do other things other than drinking. I told Sean, our date life has changed quite a bit because I'm like, you know, going out to dinner, is like, it's just getting boring. Okay, like we need to do something else other than eat. Plus, I'm trying to lose weight and I don't want to always have eating as a part of my social activities. So what I've actually started doing is for a lot of my meetings, I will ask people, hey, let's go on a walk and talk if it's nice outside. Let's go on a walk and talk instead of, hey, let's meet for lunch. I don't need the extra calories and it's just more fun, honestly, walking and talking. So that might be something that you think about in your relationship. It's not about we can't go out and drink. It's we can do something else other than drink. What can we do other than drink? Maybe one of your reframing of boundaries might be, we're going to focus on creating other forms of intimacy. We are going to actually be proactive in focusing on our spiritual intimacy or on our intellectual intimacy. It doesn't always have to be about physical intimacy or getting so deep, deep, deep in our emotions all the time that makes us want to then go to the physical intimacy. So reframe your boundaries. Think about what can you do? What are some things that you can try? What are some new things that you can introduce into your relationship that are going to help you with this offensive strategy? All right, number six, we're moving right along here. I've got two more for you guys. Number six, don't go it alone. Y'all, we love to do stuff by ourselves. We're like little two-year-olds. Like, I do it, I do it, I do it by myself. You cannot do this by yourself. I'm going to just be real, real with you. You can't do it alone. You have to bring other people into your process. I was telling my friend here in the DM, and I said, you guys need to tell people in your church that you've fallen and that you want to not fall again. I know that's like embarrassing. It should be. You know why? Because that embarrassment is going to help to keep you accountable. Nobody knows what you're doing then if you fall, nobody's going to know that either. And that's not really that big of a deal. See, this is why so many organizations understand the power of unity, the power of togetherness. You guys have heard the cliches, right? Together, we can do more. We're stronger together. It's true. So don't go it alone. There's a reason that gyms have group exercise classes. There's a reason that nutrition programs have online communities where people can share recipes and talk about what's working for them and how many calories they're eating and all of that. There's a reason reason that AA meetings have group support meetings because organizations understand that you're going to go farther and you're going to be more productive when you do things in groups. So don't go it alone. Tell your friends, tell your family members, find some other couples who are also willing to have a sex-free relationship. And that's kind of the new terminology that I'm using. I don't like to say celibacy because that sounds like a disease. Somebody got the celibacy 
Yep, they got that celibacy over there. I don't like it. So I'm not going to say celibacy. I'm not going to say the purity lifestyle because you are not pure just because you're not having sex and you're not impure because you are. That's a whole nother soapbox that I won't get on. I like the term sex-free lifestyle. And I love the word free because you're free to do so many other things. You're choosing this. This is not something that is being forced upon you. So find some other couples that are also willing to commit to a sex-free lifestyle until marriage. Please have sex when you get married. Please have lots of it, okay? But find some couples who are willing to, to do this together. Keep each other accountable. Talk to each other about what's working, what's not working. What are your triggers? What are you guys doing new in your relationship that's helping you to not do this? Don't go it alone. All right, I'm gonna tell you something. Not only, and I know again, I'm trying to honor my friend who said, can you tell us some ways other than boundaries and prayer, but I just can't leave prayer out. I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. If you don't wanna pray over this, and I I get his heart. He's not saying I don't wanna pray. He's saying I don't wanna hear the cliches. And I totally respect that. And I am grateful that he wants to hear something more other than just the Christian cliches. But I would be remiss if I did not tell you that prayer is so important and vital in this whole process. When I say don't go it alone, if you are in your Christian faith, I'm also talking to those of you who have a relationship with the Lord. Don't go it alone. Don't think that you have to do this all on your own and you just got to like sludge through the mud and it's just hard and every day you're just struggling. No, you've got the Holy Spirit. He's willing and ready and waiting to help you. But when you ask for his help, you're going to have to listen when he gives you the answer. Okay, very well-known passage of scripture in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says the temptations in your life are no different than what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than what you can stand. I want you to think about that for a second. God is faithful to you. He is faithful to answer your prayer. He is faithful to get you out of a jam when you're in one. Amen. He is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted more than what you can bear. The Bible goes on to say that when you are tempted, he will show you a way out. Oh, I love that so much. He will show you a way out. It's like a trap door that's going to open up for you. He's going to show you a way out so that you can endure so that you can endure. How many of us have been in in situations where we're tempted to do something and God shows us the way out and we're like, I'm just going to pretend like I didn't see that because we really want to do the thing, whatever it is. So when you pray, trust that God is going to give you a way out. He's not going to allow you to go through a temptation that is greater than what you can bear. Now, if you put yourself in these crazy situations, don't blame him. Don't be like, we were just sleeping together and, you know, we weren't going to have sex. We just, we were laying in the bed and we just, come on now. We're going to go back to um, number four about the common sense thing, okay? But God is faithful and he will give you a way out, but you have to ask him. So don't go it alone. And then my final point that I want to give you all today, and this is so, so important. I don't even know if you're going to be successful at not having sex before marriage if you negate this one right here. 
And it is change your environment. Change your environment. The dictionary says that environment applies to the external factors that have a formative influence on one's physical, mental, or moral development. A lot of times we think environment, we think just our physical surroundings. So change your environment. We think, okay, I've got to like get out of this house or I have to stop going to that school or something like that. That is part of what changing your environment is all about. But changing your environment might be changing your friends. Guess what? Your friends have influence on you, don't they? So they're having an influence on your environment, on your life, on what surrounds your life. If you have friends that tell you that, you know what? I mean, come on, this is silly. You're a grown adult. Everybody has sex. What's the big deal? You cannot have friends like that in your life who are not going to support your why. Y'all, I would never have friends in my life who put down my business. Why are you doing that? That's dumb. People should just be able to figure out their own relationships. Why do you have to devote your time to help? No, 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 no. I'm not going to let that in my ear. And neither should you. If you have friends that are literally speaking against the very thing that you want, it's time to knock them down to the acquaintance level. They can't be friends, though. They can't be in your personal sphere of influence talking you out of the very thing that you know is good for you. So changing your friends, that might need to happen. Some of you, you might need to change the places that you hang. Maybe you can't go to the club and to the bar and, you know, like I said, to the secluded places and all of that. You need to change the places that you are surrounding yourself with or in. Changing your environment for others of you might be the music that you listen to. How many of us are listening to music that is so sexually saturated? I cannot listen to like half the stuff that's playing on the radio today. I'm like, I cannot believe this on the radio. Like, this is crazy. And when you're being inundated with sexual messaging all day long, it's no wonder that you can't stand up against it. Movies, same thing. I'm a grown married woman with children. And I do not watch other people have sex on TV. And I'm not talking about porn. I'm talking about like PG-13 movies or TV shows where they're all up. No, no, I don't need to see you doing all that. I am well aware of what to do in my own bedroom. I don't need to watch you and yours. But what happens is that stirs up things in us, you all. And then you wonder why you are always tingly and feeling like you want to have sex all the time because you keep putting yourself in environments where that is conducive. So change what you listen to, change what you watch. Of course, if you're looking at porn, that's a no-brainer. And I know that that is for some an addiction and you might need more help with that. But for those of you who just casually look at porn and you think it's not a big, it's not a big deal, we can just look at, no, 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 no. Romance novels, same thing. Some of those are basically pornographic, just without the visual. You make up your own visual and your imagination, though, so it's really the same. Changing your environment. That is going to be crucial if you want to truly stop having sex before marriage. Anything that stirs up your desires has got to go. And it's not because you're a prude. And it's not because, you know, Jesus wants you to have a little halo on your head. That's not what this is about. This is about your why. 
This is about you wanting to commit to a healthy relationship where sex is not the focal point of your relationship. If you're a Christian because you want to do things God's way, if you're not a Christian, maybe that's not important to you to do things God's way. But maybe you still have a bigger desire for your relationship and you know that sex creates fake intimacy and you're not really wanting to do that anymore. Whatever your why is, when you change your environment, that's going to be so crucial to you actually operating and being successful. So I'm going to run through these one more time. And of course, you guys can always find the show notes to every episode on Real Relationship Talk, okay? RealRelationshipTalk.com. Number one, let go of shame. Number two, stop focusing on sex. Focus on a greater desire. Number three, you've got to know your triggers. Number four, use common sense. Number five, play offense. Number six, don't go it alone. And number seven, change your environment. Oh my gosh, I need a drink of water after that. I'm so thirsty. (laughs) And not that thirsty. I literally just thought about that. That is a sexual innuendo that I did not mean. But I want you all to really take this episode to heart. Take it to heart. I'm cheering for you. I am rooting you on. I believe in you. If you want to reach out in the DMs and be like, Dana, I need some help with number four. I don't have common sense <laughs> or or if you're like, you know, I need help changing my environment. I am here to help. OK, shoot me a DM over on Instagram and now Facebook at Mrs. Dana Shea, M-R-S-D-A-N-A-C-H-E. I would love to talk to you. I would love to help and support you in any way that I can. You all know that I'm also a relationship coach. And so if you need some more real structured um, one-on-one time with me, then you can find all of that on my website at DanaShea.com forward slash coaching. Well, thank you so much for sticking and staying to the end of this episode. I appreciate you all so very much. And again, you can find the show notes to this episode on realrelationshiptalk.com forward slash episode 173. Well, as I end every episode and saying a good relationship is not one that works. A good relationship is one where you put in the work. This is putting in some work, my friends. I'll see you on the next episode. Take care. Wow, you stayed all the way to the end. You, my friend, are the real MVP. Thanks again for listening to Real Relationship Talk. The show notes can be found at realrelationshiptalk.com. Have you subscribed to the podcast yet? If not, be sure to do that now. And may your relationships be uncomplicated as you build deeper connections. I'll see you on the next episode. Take care.